Welcome to Without the Footnotes with me, your host, Estherine. On this week's episode, I'll be talking about the Holocaust in Sweden. Hi friends and welcome to season three, episode 14 of Without the Footnotes, not your typical Holocaust lecture. I hope everyone is doing okay. Um, Me, I am being frozen to the very core of my being every time I step outside and I'm really not enjoying the transition to it being dark at like half past four, five o'clock. Um, so really feeling winter this year but we persevere. Um, trying to think of if I, if I have any news this week, I don't think I do really, aside from if you're listening to this on the day this comes out, so the 30th of November 2021, Barbados is um, becoming a republic, so the Queen will no long no longer be the head of state. So that is one to mark in the calendars of um, yeah progression, I think. And I'm excited about it. Um, maybe not everybody listening to this um, knows this about me, but my dad is actually from Barbados, born and bred. So it's good to see the country becoming its own republic and just completely yeah self-governed after all the colonialism nightmares that have happened in the Caribbean anyway so if you're listening to that on on the 30th on Tuesday um yeah give a little whoop for Barbados um so this week I am going to speak about the holocaust in Sweden and I yeah I don't think I've got much more else to say so let's just crack on with the episode okay so here we go this episode is probably going to be quite short and sweet this week um sweden like other countries like Denmark and Norway has a quite different um, experience of the Holocaust. So anyway, so Sweden actually managed to stay neutral during World War II. However, depending on the time period, that neutrality served both Nazi Germany and the Allies. For example, when Nazi Germany invaded Norway in April of 1940 and the British had enacted a sea blockade that cut Sweden off from the rest of the world, the country had to rely on material trade with Nazi Germany. Um, Sweden also allowed the Germans to use its railroads and coastal waters, but in exchange for this, the Germans were not allowed to influence how the country was governed. So this all changed in 43 due to developments in the war, namely with Nazi Germany losing significant battles, which in turn caused Sweden to align more with the Allies. Anyway, before war broke out there, um, sorry, before war... Before war broke out there, before war broke out, um, there were approximately 7,000 Jews living in Sweden. And between 1933 and 1945, the country had a restricted policy when it came to immigration. And this was because of the 1927 Aliens Act that informed the country's immigration policy. Why is this important? Well, this act 
aimed to stop unwanted groups from settling in the country and Jews were listed as one of those unwanted groups. So the main reason given for these restrictions was to do with protecting jobs for Swedish citizens, something I'm sure we can all relate to and that we've heard before in our own, um, yeah, the own rhetoric from our own countries, perhaps. Um, So what happened during the Holocaust between 1933 and 45? Well, Swedish Jews played a prominent role in appealing to the government to help rescue Jews from other countries. They managed to secure four immigration quotas for children attending Jewish boarding schools, um, children who plan to immigrate to a third country, young people who are training for immigration to Palestine and refugees who are transiting through Sweden to a third country. So these immigration quotas were not available to huge quantities of people, as you can imagine. So the Jewish population also tried to persuade other countries, such as the United States, to ease their visa requirements in order to make it easier for Jewish refugees to immigrate. I think they also um, lobbied um, the Brits about um, Palestine also. So now as... I have spoken on previous episodes that 1941 was somewhat of a turning point, not only for the war, but the Holocaust itself, as the Nazi policy concerning European Jewry swift, um, shifted from that of forced immigration or like the complete removal of Jewish people from, from civil life to deportation and ultimately mass murder. And this is when Sweden actually helped... Um, Uh, This is when Sweden can be seen to be helping um, Jewish communities in quite large quantities, but specifically from um, Denmark and Norway. Um, So they helped them escape escape deportation from those countries as they were occupied by Nazi Germany. So Sweden actually ended up offering refuge to about 900 Norwegian Jews and approximately 7,000 Danish Jews, plus some of their non-Jewish relatives in a much, much smaller number. I think it's just in the hundreds um, non-Jewish relatives from Denmark. Um, If you'd like to know more details, I do have episodes on both Norway and Denmark that you can listen to. Um, You just have to go back a few episodes of the podcast and you'll find them. Um, Sweden also initiated rescue efforts in Hungary. I also have an episode about that if you'd like to find out more. Um, You can also Google Raoul um, Wallenberg, who was the Swedish diplomat that worked along with the Swedish Red Cross cross to save Hungarian Jews from deportation that I actually have spoken spoke I can't speak that I have spoken about before um so yeah go and check that out if you are interested um the country also sent food packages to Bergen-Belsen concentration camp if you go back a few episodes I um read some survivor testimony um a couple of episodes ago um from a man named Alfred who survived the camp as a child and um, Count Falk Bernadotte or Bernadotta of the Swedish Red Cross also managed to transfer, I think it's, well, it's approximately 14,000 women from the Ravensbrück camp, which I've also been to very recently. Um, And so he managed to secure their passage to the country. So after the war, Sweden absorbed 
thousands of survivors and following the end of World War II, the refugees that they had taken in were either integrated into the country fully or as as you may have heard me say just a couple of minutes ago, that the initial um, policy for taking in refugees was that they were transiting through the country predominantly. It was never that they were supposed to come and find refuge in Sweden and actually stay there. So the fact that um, that so many people were integrated is pretty great considering the policy that they had in place at the time. Or, so they either were integrated into Sweden or they immigrated to countries um, like the United States, Canada and Israel. So, that's the end of the war and kind of like the following years afterwards. In the late 1990s, the Swedish government became really concerned that a lot of young people just didn't know much about the Holocaust. And as a result of this, they organised a campaign to facilitate Holocaust education globally, which actually resulted in the establishment of the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance that is still um, at work today. And I just want to finish on telling you a little bit about them in case you are interested. They do a lot of different things. Um, Maybe you're an academic that needs funding or there's a specific archive that you want to go to. I think they do a lot of... um, They do a lot of stuff like that where you can um, apply for funding and things like that. I know that that's what I've looked at them, um, looked to them for before. Does that make sense? I don't know. But you know what I'm trying to say. You can check out their website and see the kind of work that they do. And then if you are a person who is involved with Holocaust education, you can see if there's any initiatives or programs or, um, yeah, sponsorship, stuff like that, um, that you can get involved in. Anyway, I'm just going to quote this from their website so you just know what they're about. Um, So... And I quote, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance unites governments and experts to strengthen, advance and promote Holocaust education. Oh, to promote Holocaust education, research and remembrance and to uphold the commitments to the 2000 Stockholm Declaration. The IHRA, formerly the Task Force for International Cooperation on Holocaust Education, Remembrance and Research, or ITF, was initiated in 1998 by former Swedish Prime Minister Goran Persson. Today, the IHRA's membership consists of 35 member countries, each of whom recognises that international political coordination is imperative to strengthen the moral commitment of societies and to combat growing Holocaust denial and anti-Semitism. The IHRA's network of trusted experts share their knowledge on early warning signs of present-day genocide and education on the Holocaust. This knowledge supports policymakers and educational multipliers in their efforts to develop effective curricula and it informs government officials and NGOs active in global initiatives for genocide prevention, end quote. So a very interesting organisation and uh, a global effort uh, towards Holocaust education and remembrance, but also to combat genocide in general also. So there you have it, as I said, short and sweet. That is what the Holocaust looked like in Sweden and kind of like the legacy that it's had there. I think it's safe to say that although initially there was a policy that was very much anti-Jewish immigration, 
Ultimately, Sweden can be understood as a country that did rescue Jews, although it can be contended whether enough was actually done at the time. Um, also, these rescue efforts of different Swedish diplomats and the Swedish Red Cross actually offer a glimmer of hope in a very bleak landscape of genocide. If you look at... Ow, just bang my elbow on the table. If you look at... Um, the Holocaust as a whole across Europe. Um, it also demonstrates how imperative states' immigration policies are, especially do during times of extreme crisis. And that is something that we can heavily relate to today, I think, especially in Europe, as we continue to watch crisis after crisis happen. And as people who are desperately trying to cross borders to find safety are not afforded or even have access to the beginnings of the application processes to apply for refuge in safe countries and if there is one agenda that this podcast could possibly have it's advocating for the safety and protection of refugees asylum seekers and stateless persons that are fleeing persecution or violence of any kind and find themselves at the mercy of selfish more often than not nationalistic governments as i've said before on the podcast the issue of statelessness and a person without the protection of a government is one of the most dangerous things that, that can happen in a world of nation states um so if you do do anything in this final slog towards 2022 i really do urge you to give to donate um hot meals warm clothes shelter anything like that um anything that you can afford to do as it is winter and as i mentioned in the intro if i'm chilled to the very bone every time i go outside and i'm dressed appro appropriately and i have access to all the winter clothes i need and warmth and safety and i have a house and when i go to work the the heating's on and just those things that maybe we 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 don't think of day to day that People who are fleeing violence and need to find refuge in other countries more often than not are expo just exposed to the elements and without the adequate, um, yeah, just the basic clothing and protection that they need to stay warm during the winter months. And this is unfortunately when people will inevitably die. It, that's just what will happen. So if there's anything that we can do we could share the wealth or we should share the wealth of our privilege and just make it our norm to be helping others because ultimately that would just be lush it's very it's very simple no matter what perhaps is going on in your life i would think that the majority of people that listen to this podcast um enjoy an, an, an incredible amount of privilege and if we can afford to treat ourselves however often that is we can afford to look after someone else however we can anywho that is it from me um as ever please rate review subscribe um if you would like to email me about anything it's info at without the footnotes.org um you can follow me on instagram it's at without the footnotes and that's it for this week thanks for listening and i'll catch you next time ciao